1 Kings chapter number 19, continuing to look at miracles that God wrought by the hand of Elijah or during the ministry of Elijah. And tonight, uh, I titled the message, Heavenly Nutrition, because, boy, I'm telling you what, that only God can feed like he fed Elijah. Throughout the book of Kings, we find that one of the ways that God revealed himself to Elijah was through the provision of his daily food. Now, if I can uh, uh, leave the word of God for just a minute and give some of my own uh, thoughts. You know, if you remember when we first started looking at Elijah, we talked about how that uh, Elijah was a mountain man. He was a rough, tough guy, you know, and came out of the mountains. You know, the one thing that is characteristic that I found uh, of mountain men is they are pretty fond of their food. Uh, they like to eat. Boy, I'm telling you what, you get to talking to them about cooking steak or cooking a roast or cook a barbecue, them mountain men, boy, I'll tell you what, them country boys, they know all about the food. And so when I look at Elijah right here, I'm saying one way that God manifested himself to Elijah was providing him food. Now, like I said, I've deviated from the Bible here just a little bit. This is just my own surmisings here. But you know what? Sometimes God reveals himself in ways that are personal to us. Now, whether or not that is really why he showed himself to Elijah in providing food, I don't know. But I do know that it's true that there are oftentimes ways that God will reveal himself to us or that God will bless us that will be personal to us. It may not be as big a blessing when we share it with somebody else. Whenever we tell somebody else, you're not going to believe what God did for me, uh, many times it won't mean as much to them as it does to me because God enjoys personalizing his blessings. One evangelist uh, uh, who I used to hear preach quite often uh, would always say that when you try to tell somebody else how God blessed you, it's like giving them a second-hand kiss. You know, when Grandma calls and she says, kiss the little kid for me, he said, you know, that's kind of what trying to share your blessings like sometimes. It just never means as much if it wasn't your blessing. But we see here that one of the things that God did was he revealed himself to Elijah through the provision of his daily food. We know that he provided food up by the ravens. The ravens brought food to Elijah. Then we found how he provided food for him from the widow's cruise. The widow's cruise, a boy, and God provided food. And now in this account that we're going to be looking at this evening, we find that God sustained Elijah's nutritional needs on nothing. I'm telling you what, one thing that I love about God, and these stories about Elijah are great examples of this, the more that I put my faith in God and trust God, the bigger accomplishments he will do in my life. The more that I trust him, the more that I obey him, the more that I follow him, the bigger and bigger things he will be able to accomplish in my life. For God to provide food by the ravens, that was pretty big. But then after that, he provided him food out of a barrel that had nothing in it. But then Elijah continued to trust God. And in this story we see that God provides Elijah with nutrition and it is nothing that he's taken in. God is able to do bigger and bigger things the more that we trust him, the more that we depend on him, the more likely he is to accomplish even greater and more miraculous things. In the book of Matthew, we are told to take no thought for what we eat or what we drink. As we look at these stories of Elijah, we find out that God has multiple ways that he is able to supply our daily needs. He has more than one resource by which he 
13. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter number 19, and we'll read verse 1 down through verse number 8. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. He said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise. And he, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise, and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount. Of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for each one that has came to your house tonight. The Lord has made you a priority during the middle of the week. And Lord, they've come to your house to uh, listen to your word and Lord to worship you. And Father, I thank you for each of them. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless as we look at your word tonight. And Father, as we uh, go back over this story in the Old Testament, and Father, as we look into it, Lord, I pray that we can find principles and applications that we can make to our own life that, Father, will help us, oh Lord, to be better Christians and better servants for you, Father, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house, blessing the children's program downstairs, be in the on-site ministry, and all that's going on, that, Father, in everything that's done, you will be honored. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As you can see from this passage of Scripture, this message tonight comes from a low point in Elijah's life. Although Elijah was a man that had been used of God to stop the rain, he had been used of God to call fire down, he had been used of God to destroy the prophets of Baal, he had been used of God to pray and bring the rain back and reverse the drought. We even seen the last time we was looking at Elijah that God had enabled Elijah to outrun the chariots and go home. He was a man of God who had been used by God. Not only was he a great man of God, but he is a warrior of the faith. Elijah stood up against 850 men and said, I will stand up against you by myself. He stood against the king of Israel by himself. He was a warrior. He was a man who was standing for right. He was doing what should be done. But when we come here into chapter number 19, we find this great man of God, this warrior of the faith, this man who trusted God to supply his daily needs. We find him running for his life because of the threat of a wicked queen. It is no secret that when you and I are serving the Lord and we have given ourselves to the service of the Lord, that there will come a time when you can experience a, a spiritual and an emotional drain. I once heard a preacher tell a story of how uh, he had preached a meeting and, and God had blessed and God had anointed and people had gotten saved 
and he left the meeting and he said I was on a spiritual high so to speak I was rejoicing in the Lord I was praising the Lord he said I got in my automobile and I started down the road he said everything was good and everything was happy and going down the road a tractor trailer nearly caused an accident he said and in an instant he said I had completely forgotten about everything God had done and I'm out of the vehicle and I'm pointing my finger he said and it's like all of a sudden I recognized what in the world are you doing why are you acting like this you're not even acting like a Christian and he made the example how that in spiritual warfare there are times when we have great victories and although it's a great spiritual victory we're humans and we're flesh and we come down off of that adrenaline and we recognize that yeah we're still humans and we're still flesh and we're not the, the supernatural one we're not the one that has all that power all everything that was accomplished was through the power of God and when it's all over with we're still just humans we see here looking at Elijah that Elijah had accomplished some great things Elijah had been the man that God had used to do some big stuff but, but when it was all said and done Elijah as the Bible tells us was a man of like passions just as you and I and whenever it was all said and he was just a person he had came off of the adrenaline most likely he was exhausted he was tired he was weary and he finds out that the queen wants to kill him and Elijah starts running for his life Elijah is at a low point in his life right here he had experienced some great victories but he's receiving strong opposition and I believe that at this point in Elijah's life Elijah said, if these people are still against God, after everything that they've recently seen God do, there is no hope that they're ever going to turn back to God. There is no hope that they're ever going to return to Him. Elijah has come to a place in his life where he needs some spiritual renewal, some spiritual refreshment, and in chapter number 19, we see that God is able to provide that renewal and that refreshment for his children. So let's take a few moments and we'll look at the events that led up to this miraculous meal. The first thing we see as we jump into chapter number 19 is that Ahab returned to Jezebel with an accusing report. An accusing report. It says in verse number 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. You know, sometimes I am stunned at how far people will go to discredit the work of God. I mean, there was no denying that God caused fire to fall from heaven. There was no denying that God sent the fire, that God licked up the water, that God consumed the sacrifice. There was no denying that Baal had failed miserably in answering the prayer. There was no denying that God had revealed himself, and yet we see that whenever Ahab came back to his wife, it says there, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Not all that God had done. Ahab had seen the fire fall. Ahab had seen the rain return. Ahab was riding his chariot when he seen Elijah go running past. I, I, I talked to Brother Rick after that message a couple weeks ago, and Brother Rick said I should have had the road runner on the screen whenever we were talking about uh, outrunning Elijah there in the chariot. Uh, but anyway, uh, Ahab had witnessed all this. He had seen all this. And yet he comes to Jezebel. And he says, you want to know what that sorry Elijah did? 
And he made it seem as if Elijah, through his own ability, had conjured up this act in order to make it possible for him to destroy the prophets of Baal. And you can see that this is Ahab's spirit because it says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Now, the Bible doesn't make any mistakes. The Bible helps us to understand the nature of what's being said here. Ahab did not tell Jezebel that Elijah had killed all the prophets of Baal. He said he killed all the prophets. In this statement, Ahab discredited Elijah as a prophet and gave credit to the prophets of Baal as being the true prophets and accused Elijah of killing them. You know what, oftentimes I marvel at how people, uh, they are not brave enough to do something themselves. And we know uh, from Ahab and the stories we read of Ahab that he was a cowardly fella. And so Ahab did not have uh, the nerve uh, to go and deal with Elijah the way that he wanted to. But he knew if he could go home and rile Jezebel up that she would take care of him. And so Ahab goes home and he begins to talk to Jezebel in an effort to rile Jezebel up so that she will go after Elijah. Now, we see that it works because in verse number 2, we see that she responded to his report with an angry revenge. After he gave his accusing report, Jezebel responded with an angry revenge. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Elijah had mocked her God. Elijah had revealed the inadequacy of her God. Elijah had killed all of her pampered prophets. And now Jezebel was furious. And she sends a messenger to Elijah, tell Elijah, within 24 hours, you will be a dead man. Within 24 hours, we are going to kill you. It's going to be over for you. I'm going to bring the same penalty upon you that you brought upon my prophets. Uh, Jezebel was mad. But I look at this, and this is again just some of my thinking, so you can take it or leave it, but I think it's here. The fact that she did not kill him immediately raises some questions in my mind. Because just like she could send a messenger to say, we're going to kill you in 24 hours, she could have sent a soldier to just cut his head off. I mean, she had that kind of power. This was not a problem. Uh, she could have killed Elijah immediately, but instead she sent someone to tell him, we're going to kill you within 24 hours. Now, there's a lot of ideas that I've thought of of why maybe she did this. Uh, I, I think one, uh, maybe she thought Elijah was too bold to run. I'm going to go tell him, and he's going to come face me, and then I'll be able to kill him right here in the palace. Perhaps that's what she was thinking. Maybe she wanted to cause some emotional distress. I mean, he's distressed her emotionally, so she's going to distress him emotionally and tell him, hey, you're going to have to just sit and think about this for the next day, that I'm going to come and kill you. And maybe that's what she was trying to do. Uh, maybe because so many people had witnessed what had taken place on Mount Carmel. Jezebel knew that if she killed Elijah right now, that this was going to cause a lot of political problems if she went and just killed him. But if she could threaten to kill him and get him to run and leave the country, then Elijah would be out of her hair and it wouldn't cause any political problems. 
personally, that's what I think was going on here. I think she was bluffing. I think she was just trying to scare him out of town to get him out of her hair. But the trouble is, Elijah fell for it. Elijah fell for the trick, and we see in verses 3 and 4 that her threat caused him to make an adverse request. An adverse request, completely opposite of what we would expect from Elijah. It says in verse number 3, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. He said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. Elijah is at a low, low point in his life. These verses here show us how that none of us, no person, is exempt from crashing emotionally. No person is exempt from coming to a place in your life where you may not state it as Elijah did, but you come to a place in your life where you think, the best thing for me would be to just die. There's, there's no way that I can ever correct this. There's no way I can ever make this right. There's no way that I can ever press on. I, I, I've come to the end of myself. I, I mean, Elijah had, had called fire from heaven. He had destroyed the prophets of Baal. It seemed that God was working, and yet the queen sent a messenger and said, we're going to kill you. Elijah said, there's no point in me trying anymore. They are never going to change. They're never going to turn back to God. There's no point in me preaching anymore. Elijah was physically exhausted. He was emotionally trained. He was spiritually weak. And he sat down underneath the juniper tree, and he said, God, the best thing you can do right now is kill me. Elijah was a spiritual giant. Yet Elijah had came to a point that Elijah emotionally was crashing. You know what? In every one of our lives, there are times when life is going to get difficult. There's times when life is going to throw some curves. There's times that life can take the strongest person and make them question, is there any reason for me to keep pressing on? The last chapter, chapter number 18, Elijah was at the height of his spiritual strength. But now we find him in a state of exhaustion, emotionally overloaded, praying for God to let him die. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We need never think that we are so strong that the devil is not able to trip us up and bring us down. We need never think that we are to such a point that we no longer need to rely on God. Because even the strongest can come to a place where they pray to ask God to die. The spiritual giant of Elijah here in this chapter is a crumpled up example of human inability. I think God puts this in the word of God to remind us that Elijah was a person of like passions just as you and I. Elijah was a person who was filled with human inability. The way that he accomplished the mighty works of God was through the power of God. And we can look at this and understand that if Elijah could find himself crumpled up in a heap, 
that when you and I are crumpled up in a heap, we are just like Elijah, and just like we can find ourselves emotionally spent, we can also be mightily used of God if we will stop relying on ourselves and rely on the power of God. We see here that Elijah had come to the end of himself. He was asking God to let him die. But in verses 5 and 6, we see that Elijah received an angelic refreshment. You know, you're out on a hot summer day, and you're driving down the road, and you go by the ice cream stand, you can stop and get you some refreshment. I'm telling you what, boy, it's cool. It tastes good. It refreshes you. I mean, it's just exactly what you needed. Maybe you get your favorite a soda pop or your favorite smart water, whatever it is you like to drink. And boy, you turn that thing up on a hot day, and it's refreshing. I mean, it hits the spot. It does exactly what you needed. Well, Elijah here, Elijah was in bad need of some refreshment. And we see that he received some angelic refreshment. In verses 5 and 6, it says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him, said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Now I have to say, this verse right here just cracks me up. This shows just exactly how wore out and how drained Elijah was. Elijah goes in the wilderness. He falls asleep next to the tree. His last request was that he could die. An angel shakes him. Wake up, Elijah. Elijah sets up, and when he sets up, he sees a bottle of water and some bread. And he grabs the bread and the water. He eats the bread, drinks the water, and goes back to sleep. He never says thank you to the angel. He never, the Bible doesn't say that he was even astonished by the angel, surprised by the angel. It don't say nothing. He woke up. He got the bread. He got the water. He ate his food. He went back to sleep. I'm wore out, man. I am tired. It is time for me to get some rest. And he was at such a point that he wasn't even startled by the fact that this angel had showed up. He was completely exhausted. He, he was possibly hoping that he would die in his sleep. I'm just going to fall asleep, and hopefully I'll never wake up, and this will be all better. Maybe he was hoping that he would wake up, but when he woke up, he would realize that all this was a bad dream, everything. And the famine, the rain, the fire, all of it. It was all just a bad dream, and he could start over uh, being the mountain guy from the hills of Gilead, and, and he could just erase all this. Uh, Elijah was at a low point. The angel wakes him up and says, wake up, Elijah. He wakes up, and he's like, well, you know what? I am kind of hungry. He eats his bread, drinks his water. He's tired. He's going back to sleep. But the angel was meeting the need that Elijah had. We know from this example that he didn't die in his sleep. This is what Elijah wanted. This is what Elijah thought he wanted. He thought that he wanted to die. Aren't you glad that God doesn't always give us what we ask for? Aren't you glad he doesn't always answer every request? God understood Elijah's mental exhaustion. He understood the state, his physical state. He understood his spiritual depletion. And God understood that Elijah's prayer was a prayer of desperation. And God saw through his actual request and reached down to his real need. Many times we will pray and we will ask a request based on what we understand about ourselves. But our God understands us far better than we understand ourselves. And many times he will reach beyond what we have requested and meet the actual need. Elijah didn't need to die. 
Elijah was a great man of God. God had a lot more work for Elijah to do. It wasn't time for Elijah to check out yet. God had some more that he wanted to accomplish with Elijah. Elijah didn't need to die yet, but what Elijah did need was some spiritual refreshment, uh, some spiritual renewal, and God was able to meet that need. God said what you need is you need uh, some spiritual refreshment and some spiritual renewal. He woke him up and he had a meal prepared. You know, from a practical standpoint, it is amazing. What a good night's rest and a good meal will do whenever you have emotionally and physically came to the end of yourself. So just from a practical standpoint, based on the story of Elijah, if you find yourself in a place of desperation and you find yourself making some foolish choices, just stop, go to bed, get up, eat a big breakfast, and try again. This is what we did for Elijah. I mean, Elijah was done. He was spent. He was ready to quit. God said, go to sleep, eat, go to sleep. All right, now we can work with you. You know what? He just needed recharged, and God knew that Elijah needed recharging, and so instead of giving him his request, he gave him the recharging. Now, I believe that whatever the angel had fixed for him must have been, the Bible says it was a cruise of water and a, and a cake baked on the coals, but it must have been some good soul-filling food. Because you know how sometimes you eat a good meal and after you've done it terrible on Sunday afternoon. We'll have, you know, if I try to have an afternoon service, because we go downstairs and we have that great big meal and we come back up here and sit down and, I mean, we try. We try hard, but we really just want to sleep. I mean, it's just like... Ooh, I'm full and I'm warm and I'm comfortable. But uh, whenever I used to go preach at camp meetings when I was just a teenager, uh, a lot of times the preachers would tell us, young guys, they'd say, we'll let you preach in the afternoon service. Well, it didn't take me long to figure out what was going on. Here I am up there, you know, 15, 16 years old. I got this message. I've been praying over it for a year since last camp meeting. I am ready to deliver this message. I'm preaching my heart out. And here's Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so on the front row and they're all sound asleep. I'm like, what in the world? This must have been some good food because Elijah ate it and he fell right back to sleep. But I think when he fell back to sleep this time, it wasn't a troubled sleep. It was a contented sleep. When he fell asleep the first time, he was troubled. He was despairing. He was, he was spent. But when he fell asleep this time, it was a contented sleep. We see that once you have found yourself in a place of physical, spiritual, and emotional unrest, take the time to step away and allow God to refresh you, to minister to you, and restore you to a place of strength so that you can serve Him. You know, many times because of the demands and responsibilities associated with everyday life, we will push ourselves to a place of exhaustion. Americans were terrible about it. We just go, go, go. We push, push, push. Run, run, run. It's how we're wired. It's how we work. And a lot of times we'll push ourselves to a place of exhaustion. And all through the Bible that God tells us, he says, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. There are times when God wants us to step away from the hustle and bustle. He wants us to step away from the rat race and just allow him to minister to our soul and restore our health that we can continue living for him. After Elijah was sufficiently fed and well rested, the angel woke him up again. And this time he woke him to commission him for the next job that God had for him. But with the job also came ample reinforcement. 
Bible says in verse number 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Now, I believe that this meal was different than the last meal. I believe he cooked up something different this time. I, I know all that's not in the Bible, but you can tell the effects are different. The first meal, it was good home food, you know. What they call soul food, you know. That's what the first meal was. Got him settled in and got him rested and got him restored. Then the angel woke him up and he said, Now I want you to eat some super food. Because we're getting ready to give you a job where you're going to need to go on the strength of this meat for a long, long time. And so he woke him up and he had another meal prepared. And he said, Rise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. You know, while it's important that we get refreshed, there is never a reason to quit serving God. I believe that it is important sometimes to step aside from the rat race and allow God to minister to your soul. But I also met some people who have permanently stepped out of the rat race. They have permanently lived a life of being refreshed. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches either. Uh, they have stepped out uh, and they have stayed out. Uh, we don't see Elijah stepping out and staying out. We see Elijah getting refreshed, uh, getting revived, uh, uh, getting the renewal that he needed, and then he steps right back into the saddle. He grabs back a hold of the plow and he is ready to go again uh, for the glory of God. Uh, we see here uh, that God had given him what he needed. He needed uh, uh, this meal in order to go back into the battlefield. The angels fed him again. This, more was, this meal was more than just a day's ration. It was an amazing resource. In verse number 8 it says, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Talk about food that will stick with you. Boy, I'm telling you what. This angel knew how to cook some food that would stick with you. Back in Father's Day, uh, I gave away those uh, metal cups that nobody liked. And also I put in those metal cups uh, cliff bars. Now, this gift was inspired by my hobbies and interests because I love a good metal cup because I can set that thing right on top of the campfire and heat my coffee back up. I can tie it to my backpack and don't have to worry about it getting broke. I love a good metal cup. I have a bunch of metal cups. If I like metal cups, everybody likes metal cups. And then I put a cliff bar in it because there ain't nothing will stick, like, stick with you like a cliff bar. I'm telling you what, boy, you can eat a cliff bar for lunch and it'll hold you till after dinner time. I mean, them things are good. They're full of nutrients and, boy, they'll just stick with you. So I apologize if you didn't enjoy metal cups and cliff bars, but they're good stuff. I'm telling you, that's the that's way to go. But the cliff bar don't hold a lot to what Elijah was eating right here. Cliff bar holds you. I mean, it'll hold you from lunchtime to dinner. If you push, you can get from breakfast to dinner, but it's, it's running out by then pretty bad, you know. Man, what Elijah ate, he said it's going to strengthen you for the next 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we read accounts even of where the Lord Jesus fasted for 40 days. But I don't believe that this was a fast because he said you're going to go in the strength of this meat for 40 days. So this wasn't that Elijah was weak and he was tired and, and he was starving and he was hungry. No, Elijah went for 40 days on the strength of that meat. He was nourished on nothing. 
for 40 days. God said, I'm going to feed you a meal, and you are going to go in the strength of that meal for 40 days. You are going to be nourished. You're going to be strong. You're going to have everything that you need in order to press on, but you're not going to have to take any time to stop and eat. You're not going to have to take any breaks. You're not going to have to hunt any food. I am going to give you one meal that will last you for 40 days. And God gave to Elijah an amazing resource. Elijah was able to travel from where he was to Mount Horeb, and I believe that Elijah never experienced hunger the entire time. God had met his need once again. First, God fed him with ravens, which was an unlikely source. Second, God fed him from an empty widow's barrel, which was, again, an unlikely source. But now God was feeding him without any physical supply. God was feeding him from an internal source. And you know what? There is something that you and I have access to that this world doesn't know anything about. And that is an internal resource. And you know what? The pressures of this world can press and they can press hard. And we look at this world around us and we look at those who are without God and we see them crumbling and giving in and becoming defeated because of the pressures of this world. But you and I have access we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. We have an internal resource that will keep us going even when the pressures of life get too hard. What Elijah had faced would have killed a normal man, but God said, I'm going to give you a supply that will keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And Elijah was able to go and serve God without anything that the world understood. And I want to say if we put our trust in God, we can go on because we have an internal strength they know not of. This evening, there's two things I hope you take home from this lesson. First, Remember this, if life's got you down, take some time to let God minister to your soul. We live in a busy world, and we have so much input. We have social media, we have the television, we have the radio, we have uh, everything that's constantly being input, that even when we step away from the pressures of life, we're still being bombarded with the output of this life. If life's got you down, take from this example of Elijah and say, you know what? I'm going to free myself from the demands and distractions of life, maybe for an hour, maybe for, maybe for a day, if you can find a day. And I'm just going to step aside. I'm going to spend some time in God's Word. Maybe I'm going to spend some time listening to some, some hymns and some worshipful music. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And I'm going to let God minister to my soul. The world says it's crazy, but it's true. God will restore your soul if you'll give him opportunity to do it. God will speak peace to your soul. And second, the second thing I'd like you to take away this evening is don't underestimate God's ability to supply our needs. We look at the life of Elijah and God supplied his needs with ravens. God supplied his need with the empty barrel of a widow. God supplied his need with nothing. Never underestimate God's ability to supply our needs. 
oftentimes we pray and we know that God is able. We know that. Anybody asks us, we'd be sure to tell them, yes, God is able. But whenever it comes to our own personal need and whatever it is that we're praying for, we try to look and we try to pick. Maybe you don't. I do. I try to look and pick. Well, I know that God could supply this need through this resource. I believe God could supply this need through this resource. And so I begin to pray and whenever those resources that I'm putting my trust in don't work out, I lose hope in God. Don't underestimate. He can work with things that you never imagined. He has ways of meeting our needs that we've never even thought of yet. Just put it in his hand and trust him that he is able to provide us with what we need each and every day of our life. We look at this story of Elijah. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot to learn here. But I want to say that God got Elijah back up. He got him back on his feet. He put him back into service. You know what? If we'll just rely on God, regardless of what we face in life, he is able to get us back up, get us back on our feet, and get us back into service. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this story. I thank you, Lord, how it challenged my heart. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll take, uh, Lord, what was said, and, Lord, that you'll use it to encourage the hearts of the people as well. And, Lord, that we will recognize that, Father, you are our source of strength, and, Lord, that we'll rely on you. Thank you for your goodness. Be with us as we go our different ways. I pray, dear Lord, that you will give us opportunity, Lord, between now and Sunday to tell someone about you, to invite someone to church, and, Father, Lord, that we'll come back to your house on the Lord's day. Thank you for your goodness. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.